It is Friday and it's time for our regular Lunch and Learn. Now today we're going to be talking about my favorite topic, preventative medicine. Now why is that? Because we think it's better to stop a trend in the negative direction than to wait and let your body go that way. Your blood work shows that you are in a... Um, you're in a disease state via your blood work and then your doctor has to give you prescriptions and that kind of thing. So preventative medicine has been around a long, long time and it is uh, stated that in the United States we spend almost $11,000 per person on medical costs. Now, I don't know about you, but I would like to have that $11,000 in my pocket and not in the uh, doctor's office or the pharmacy's office and that kind of thing. And so we're going to talk today about the history of holistic health, preventative medicine, and talk a little bit about that. So one of my favorite people, who was Thomas Edison, because of course we've got lights and all that kind of thing, he says, and this is a quote, the doctors of the future will give no medication, but will interest his patient in the care of the human frame with diet and in the cause of the prevention of disease. And this is exactly what we do. We want to get you to the place where your body is very much on alert against invaders. And when something comes into your field, into your atmosphere, into your environment, your body is able to rise to the occasion, slough it off, and then you go on and be the best person that you can be. So preventative medicine has been around since antiquity. The ancient Chinese, the ancient Egyptians, the Greeks, and the Romans all had what we would call preventative medicine. Virtually every early civilization possessed easy herbal medical knowledge and applied techniques to enhance and sustain health. Much of this knowledge has been lost. Now, why is that? Well, here in the United States, we did have preventative medicine and we did have holistic medicine until around the mid-1800s. At that time, uh, different things happened. You can Google it. You can read it for yourself. But the people that were in power, the people that were in charge, made it a law that if it was not a pharmaceutical-connected medical treatment, then it should be outlawed as illegal. And so since that time, it's been very difficult here in the United States to find A, qualified people, and B, to be able to exercise with your own money, spending your own money the way you want to spend your money, because if you belong to a health savings account or that kind of thing, which is your own money, um, the people don't want you using it for preventative medicine and that kind of thing. And so this is what uh, we're going to be talking about today and what we can do about it. So we're going to be talking particularly about Germany because Germany is a country that we could look to to do some things differently because of the way that they do that. They keep their traditional health practices and that knowledge. They keep it alive and they use uh, homeopathy and they use herbs, phytotherapy, okay, as a recognized health modality that their insurance pays for and nobody even bats an eye when they want to do that, okay. So there was this um, ancient lady called uh, Hildegard, okay, you may have heard that name. And she wrote her book, Physica, 
uh, under the Greco-Roman influence of 1150 to 1158, all right? Her writings include uh, much more than the Encyclopedia of the Natural World. She's got a book called The Causes and Cures, which provides extensive um, work on the human body's connection to the natural world, causes and cures for diseases, and insights humans can draw from God's creation. Now, I think she was a Catholic nun and a medical doctor, all right? So her face is on different products. You may recognize the face and not understand who she was, so you can Google that on your time and, and get a little bit more uh, familiar with her. The Germans still profit from her and other forebearers, they attend to their own physical and mental health on a frequent basis, okay? So this is really, really uh, important. So mainly, they use homeopathy, phytotherapy, and a word I had never heard before, anthrosophery, all right? Now that is, the etymology is human wisdom. So it's a spiritual part of who you are, okay? So all three of these facets are acknowledged as approved ways of healing in Germany. The German parliament revised its alternative health care laws with the pharmaceutical rights bill in 1976. A pharmacist can dispense and sell alternative medicine, which is widely used. The Federal Institute of Drugs and Medical Devices, German's uh, equivalent to the FDA, all right, regulates these drugs. And as of 2023, the agency had approved of 1,127 different homeopathic drugs, 916 herbal phytopharmaceuticals, plant-derived medicines, and 989 special therapies and traditional therapies for working with the spirit. All right, so they are very much more advanced than we are. Now, do I like it that um, pharmacies are necessarily doing this? Maybe not. However, I do like it that they don't have to fight with the regulatory agencies to get the kind of health care that they need. I definitely believe that if we want to go allopathic, if we want to go to the medical doctor, if we want to uh, go that way, then we should be able to do that. If we want to do it holistic, if we want to do herbs or homeopathy or anything else, then we should be able to do that because why? Because we're full-grown people and we have our own best interests at heart and we can make those decisions that are best for us. So we can learn a lot from Germany. Now, what does uh, Germany not have that we have? They don't have a big lobby conglomerate that um, goes to Congress, goes to the Senate, and lobbies on the behalf of the pharmaceutical agents. Now, I have told you in the past, I don't know if you uh, remember, but I have told you that all of our politicians here in the United States, their retirement fund, their uh, benefits are tied to pharmaceutical money market accounts. That means if we all decided to go away from pharmaceuticals and go into holistic health, then those companies would lose a lot of money and they would not be able to fund those pension plans. So it is the uh, in the best interest of the politicians to continue to foster the pharmaceutical lobbies and do what they want to do and make it where medicine is the preferred uh, 
method of getting well because that fattens their pockets at the end of the day. And I know that sounds very nefarious and I don't mean it that way, but that's just the way it is. If you want to find out who's controlling your life, follow the money, all right? That's just the way it is, certainly here in the United States. A study published in the BMC Health Services Research found that herbal medicine plays an essential role in German healthcare system. Based on the premise of pluralism in pharmacotherapy, the German Medicines Act explicitly postulates that the characteristics of this particular therapeutic systems are to be respected. As a comparison, the FDA has not approved any homeopathic drugs. On the contrary, the U.S. agency warns patients about this alternative approach to medicine and the potential for significant harm. This, despite international studies supporting the cost savings of homeopathy treatments compared to pharmaceutical therapy. For instance, in a comparative study in the Journal of Homeopathy in 2009, it found that the cost for patients affected by chronic asthma showed a reduction in expenses of 71.1% for specific medications, and that for other respiratory illnesses, the cutback was up to 49.8%. That was the research that was done in Italy. So what does that mean? That means if you use holistic methods, you use herbs or you use homeopathy, uh, which we do here in the uh, here in our clinic, Abundant Health and Wellness. There has never ever been, and and I have done a lot of study. I've done a lot of research. I don't think I've ever read any uh, article of any harm coming to anybody because they took herbs. And yes, I know there's belladonna out there, and belladonna is a poison. And yes, hemlock is out there, and hemlock is a poison. Somebody who has uh, knowledge of the plants like we do, we're not going to give you those things because we, you know, we don't want you to be hurt. I've never read or seen a report that said homeopathy ever did anything uh, except help people. So that's just my experience. If you find something, let me know because I would be really interested in looking at that. So there's plenty of studies out there looking at homeopathic medicines. They, those were the only medicines we had up until, like I say, the late uh, 1800s. In France, there was a larger scale study that was published in Health Economics Review in 2015, and it found a 20% savings when using homeopathic general medicine, which included the cost of consultation and prescription. So, if you go to the doctor and it's $100, if you went the holistic way in this country, in France, you would have saved 20 bucks. Now, 20 bucks is not all that much money, but add another 20 bucks, add another 20 bucks, and you're gonna get somewhere, okay? So that is a significant savings. The US Army Research Institute for Environmental Medicine funds, pays for the thermal and mountain uh, medicine division, okay? I had never heard of this before. In part, its purpose is to research the enhancement and sustainability of warfighter performance. This approach is not new. The Romans did it. They sent their wounded soldiers to uh, hot springs, hot mineral springs, to treat their wounds and their tired muscles. 
in AD 400, the Romans operated 11 public bathhouses and 850 additional private baths just within the city limits of Rome. Why? Because they found that these mineral springs had in them uh, the, the elements that bring health and wellness to your body. So Germany keeps this tradition alive. Now they call it vanillotherapy. Uh, okay, I'd never heard that word. And that country, so Germany, has more than 240 of these therapeutic mineral pools that anybody can go to and get their health benefits that way. The Federal Office of Radiation Protection lists several therapeutic values of radon therapy. Now, I have not researched this, so I'm going to look into it. There are multiple applications of this therapy, such as the big therapeutic radon caves and salt mines. Now, we do know that people that work in salt mines have a health benefit from that. We know that if we get salt lamps and put them in our room, that we get benefit from that, especially Himalayan salt and that kind of thing. The most popular and most widely accessible form of radon therapy is in public bathhouses, thermal bathhouses with natural brine and radon. Radon is by far the largest source of background radiation that people are exposed to. All right. All of this is in the International Journal of Molecular Science. So this is all nerdy stuff. You might not be interested in reading that for yourself, but I'm giving you just the highlights here so that you can uh, look at that. The study does note the risk associated with too much radon. Okay, so we don't want to do too much of it, but there is a uh, health benefit with it. And a study published by the Polish um, I'm going to say this word, otolaryngology, found that the therapy has notable benefits. Radon-enriched inhalation therapy improves the objective indicators of nasal function in allergic rhinitis, chronic rhinosinusitis, and causes relief of pulmonary obstruction in asthma. It stated that radon baths treat rheumatic conditions and respiratory diseases. The thermal waters include high level of mineral nutrients such as magnesium, calcium, sulfate, iodine, and carbon dioxide. Visitors are allowed to drink the spring waters and enjoy their many health benefits, including stress relief, strengthening the immune system, and supporting of the musculoskeletal system. Now, you might think, well, it has carbon dioxide in it. We don't want carbon dioxide because that's what we exhale, and yes, you would be right. However, there has to be that exchange of gases in the lungs, and you would be surprised how many people come in to see me and their CO2 level on their blood work is below optimum. So they're not, they're not breathing deeply, they're not exchanging those gases, and so, Taking a dip in a thermal spring is something that would be very, very beneficial. Now, I know if, if, if you had the same reaction I did when I read this, it's like, oh, we don't want to be drinking water that people have bathed in. And I'm sure there is another um, portal, not where you bathe, but I'm sure there is another place that you can go to get water that has not been bathed in 
from these thermal springs and you'd be able to enjoy all of the many health benefits that we just talked about. In the National Library of Medicine's natural, sorry, National Center for Biotechnology Information, all right, they have a study that shows the benefit of this. The NIH features a warning, contrarily, about this ancient therapeutic tradition. Despite the demonstrated clinical and symptomatic benefits of these therapies, their role in modern medicine is still controversial, mainly because biological mechanisms underlying the benefits have not yet been completely elucidated. What does that mean in real people language? That means we don't know how this works. We can't make money from this, so we're going to say not to do this. So I'm thinking as I'm reading this of all the people that come in to see me with allergies, all the people that have COPD. I have family members that have COPD. They can't breathe. Now, they're smokers and they do things that are not necessarily what they need to be doing. Okay, but it's a free country. You can do that. If they had access to these thermal baths, might they get the relief that they need without having to shell out thousands and thousands of dollars for prescriptions and their different therapies and that kind of thing. So there, there are a lot of international studies from different countries that prove that these uh, therapies are very legitimate and they are very effective. And yet, because they are out there in nature and we can't make money on them, our particular healthcare system says, no, 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 we don't want you to do that, all right? So iodine brine uh, can have anti-inflammatory effects on the skin and may clear pathways, airways, and reduce cortisol levels. So I don't know about you, but almost everybody has increased cortisol level, and that is because we live in such a stressful environment. And so Iodine brine, which that would be a thermal spring, a hot spring that had a lot of iodine in it, would be something that would be very, very beneficial. Healthcare professionals consider it a useful intervention for stress management, according to a study published by the International Society of Biometeorology Bio and Hydrotherapy. All right. The Germans can, can claim another luminary and the natural cure movement as their own. A priest named Sebastian Niep, I think I said, right, 1821 to 1897, many see him as a vital link to American naturopathy, okay? He promoted the holistic result uh, approach to health and preached about balanced nutrition, physical exercise, and regulative therapy. The therapy that he is most famous for is hydrotherapy, which uses various temperatures and pressures of water to stimulate circulation and treat disease. Now, when was the last time that you went to the doctor and they decided to send you to someone who did hydrotherapy? That's never happened to me, and if you live in the United States, it probably won't happen to you either. A symptomatic review of a 2020 study published in Contem uh, Contem I'm sorry, I can't read my writing here. Complementary Medicine Research analyzed 14 separately controlled studies and concluded that healing through water as prescribed by NEEP was successful 
in 64% of cases of chronic venous insufficiency, hypertonia, insomnia, menopause discomfort, and minor cases of heart failure. So hypertonia, that is where your muscles, um, are, a lot of muscle spasms and that kind of thing, okay? Uh, venous insufficiency, uh, it could be uh, vein collapsing, it could be varicose veins, it could just be that your circulation is not doing what your circulation needs to do. All of that is under the title of venous insufficiency. Insomnia, how many people, just sitting right there with you, how many people have trouble sleeping? There's a, that's a, there's a lot of that going around. Probably every third person that comes in to see me says that they don't sleep well. Furthermore, in 11 further uncontrolled studies linked hydrotherapy to improvement in allergic symptoms, dyspepsia, quality of life, heart rate variability, infections, hypertension, high blood pressure, pain, rheumatoid arthritis, and polyneuropathic symptoms. Now, polyneuropathic symptoms is mental anxiety, panic, depression, uh, general anxiety disorder, all those kind of things. So, what is the common denominator here? It is nature. It is the different elements that are found in nature in these thermal pools, these hot springs, if you were. So, if you are, are fortunate to live in a place where you have thermal hot springs, this might be something that you want to do. You want to add to your repertoire because it's very, very helpful. Today, nature lovers can find hydrotherapeutic arm baths and wading pools all over Germany. Towns build these spa-like islands within their parks and along their hiking trails. They are free for anyone who is willing to roll up their sleeves or their pants leg and experience the refreshing ice-cold water. Now, when you tell me that it's ice-cold, um, I don't know. I don't really like ice-cold water, of course. Here today in Houston, Texas, I think it's going to get up to about 111, so that might be pretty refreshing if I were outside. Um, we have in our area, we've got um, cryogenic chambers where I think it's below 75 degrees, below zero, and they want me to get in there for about 10 minutes, and it's like, no thank you, I don't like to be cold. So there is that. Everybody has their own free will and their choice in that. So also, there's a new therapy called forest therapy. Now, I had never heard of this. Um, I, I like the forest. I don't live in the forest, but I like to go and see different things. In fact, the July 4th weekend, uh, my husband and I did go into the hill country, and we were in nature, and we were outside a lot, and we were extremely relaxed, which is always a good thing. But forest therapy is something that the Germans in, include or... Um, encourage their people to do. They walk, especially in a forest, which are mostly privately owned, but by law have to be accessible to the public, which I think is a brilliant idea, okay? Frequently, the people will exercise, they will have exercise stations and signs posted to encourage people to keep moving, to breathe deeply while enjoying the outdoors. Nature bathing or forest bathing is what the Japanese call it, all right? Um, can, it lowers your cortisol. It benefits your musculoskeletal system, that's your, um, your, your bones, all right? It relieves asthma and other respiratory diseases. So 
how many people out there have asthma, bronchitis, uh, you catch the flu all the time, COPD, as we've said before, those kind of things are something that uh, forest uh, walking or forest bathing, as they call it, would be very, very helpful to you. There are many studies about the positive effects of forest therapy on the human psyche, the nervous system, the immune system, and the respiratory tract. The entire human organism strengthens, which helps prevent disease. Any problem solved by conscious walk in the forest doesn't have to be solved by paying into the healthcare system. All right, again, follow the money. How many of us have said, I don't want to make this decision, let me sleep on it, right? When we sleep, we relax, we let our brain clear out all the trash, all that kind of thing the same thing when you get out in nature. You're away from your routine. You're not looking at your cell phone. You're not doing all the kind of things that we normally do that disrupt our free thought process. And when that is not disrupted, we are able to find solutions to problems because it just came to me. The Holy Spirit told me. The universe spoke to me. However you like to uh, frame that up, when you are out in nature, you open yourself up to a different vibrational frequency that allows your body to respond in a different way, okay? So that's really, really important. This line of research is increasingly attracting attention, and there are studies on different aspects of nature exposure and the links to preventing disease and accelerating healing, okay? So that's really, really important. Um, the article goes on to say the antidotes to many ailments are inexpensive and readily available. Most are preventative and keep our bodies and immune systems strong to avert malaise and disease. So, why should Americans open up to unfamiliar preventative approaches to their health for both physical and financial reasons? As I said, the United States healthcare is good. In fact, it is the absolute best in the world. Okay, when they do a comparison, the United States is at the very top of the food chain when it comes to healthcare. It is the top uh, of that ranking. Okay, however, the United States is also the top healthcare spender with a whopping $10,921 annual healthcare expenditure per person. That is first place. We spend more money on healthcare than any other country, all right? Based on these rankings, having the finest doctors and creating preeminent scientific research, one must think that we have the healthiest populace on the planet. Far from it. The Bloomberg Golden Health Index rates the United States 34th behind countries such as Cuba, Slovenia, and Cameroon. And now that's a, that's a sobering thought. We have all the, all the science, we've got all the research, we've got all the gizmos, right? We spend the most, and yet we rank 34th in the world on being a healthy country. The average life expectancy for men and women is even more dire. We trail behind other nations and place 46th in a worldwide comparison. Now, when I looked at this, I, I looked at the, at the whole thing, 
and it showed, I'll try and put these links up. Sometimes Facebook takes it down, but I'll try and put these links up. Um, we, we, I think women live a little bit longer than men, and the average age for a male in the United States is 76. So if you pass that, then you're doing better than most, okay? But there are other countries at the top of the list that their uh, average age was 89. So that is a full, you know, what, 13 points higher than what we have. And so that's something that's really, really important to think about when we're spending all this money on our health care, but we're not benefiting from it because we're not looking at prevention. I will just tell you, in our clinical practice, if someone comes in trending toward a disease, I'm looking at their blood work, I'm listening to their symptoms, I'm doing all that kind of stuff, their blood work is not bad enough for the doctor to say, yes, you have XYZ disease, but we can tell that they're on that trajectory. It's a lot easier to turn that trajectory back than to wait until they've crossed that line into a sickness and disease profile. So what this article is recommending is that we be more preventative, all right? Traditional approaches to health often start with preventative aspect focusing on the kinds of lifestyles that encourage health, including practices such as walking, eating healthful food, and simply relaxing. Now, if you are in our part of the world, in the United States, and certainly in the Houston area, most people are on all the time. They're busy. They've got to do this. They've got to do that. They've got schedules. They've got appointments. It's just on and on and on and on. So that puts you in a sympathetic dominance uh, posture, and your body does not have time to rest and recover and restore. So we need to learn how to live in a more huh, parasympathetic dominant system where we, uh, we treat ourselves well, we stop and smell the roses, we take walks in the forest, we swim in the ocean, we do all those kind of things so that we can not only live longer, but we can live healthier. So. There's a lot of good information out there. There's some links that I'm going to try and, and post on this. So don't hold me to it. I'm going to try. Uh, my computer updated last night, and so I may not have that, uh, that article that I was referencing, and so I may not be able to do that, but I'm going to try. We can all do things. You might not be able to go to a forest because you don't live close to it, but there are trees in your yard. There are trees in the park in your city. You can go outside, take advantage of that, take your shoes off, be on the grass, touch the tree. Uh, yeah, I know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, oh yeah, you're a tree hugger. Well, no, not really. However, there are different vibrational frequencies in nature where everything grows the way God wants it to grow, and then being in an office, like I'm in an office right here, I've got nothing live in this room but me. I've got flowers, but they're not live. I've got other things, but they're not live. So there's nothing in here that gives me vibrational frequencies that match my own organic frequencies. So part of my happy time is to go to the beach, go to the lake, go outside in a park, in the forest, because why? Because then my vibrational frequencies meet up with other healthy 
vibrational frequencies and it causes me to take a breath, it causes me to relax, it causes me to restore, it causes all those rejuvenation things that you're just not going to get in an urban situation in an office. As beautiful as my office is, and I absolutely love it, there's nothing life-giving in my office, okay? So I need to get out in nature where all of this stuff happens. So that's a lot of information. I think it was 10 pages that I went through with you today. So if you have any questions, uh, go ahead and ask the questions or comment, share, like, do all the things that Facebook likes you to do and go out and implement some of these this weekend and see if you don't feel better, see if you don't feel a little bit more relaxed and that kind of thing. And I will talk to you next Friday. Oh no, I won't talk to you next Friday. You know why? I'm going to be on vacation next Friday. So I will not be doing a lunch and learn next week because I will be at the beach with my children and be enjoying a vacation. So do what you need to do to enjoy your life and I will see you in two weeks.